I'm Victoria, and this podcast is all about running, marathon training, and run coaching. It is packed with useful tips to help you grow as a runner. I am a 13-time Boston qualifier and mom of two who started running as an adult. I learned a lot on my journey, and in 2014, I launched an online run coaching business to help other runners. Now, we employ several run coaches and are one of the largest online run coaching companies. We teach you the secrets to reaching your potential in the sport of running. We give real talk discussing personal stories of injuries, setbacks, and PRs. Think of this as a conversation with serial marathoners who share the lessons that we learned along the way. This is the Run for PRs podcast. Speed versus threshold runs. Do you know which you should be doing? In the past few weeks, we've chatted a little bit about the correct paces for workouts and easy days based on your current VDOT and fitness level. Today, we want to do a deep dive into the different types of workouts that elicit different stress responses from the body. We want to explain what is best given your background and what you are training for. We're going to talk about specifically when you should focus more on tempo runs and when you should focus more on speed workouts. We're going to be chatting about the different mistakes that can also be made within each type of workout. So sometimes when people do speed workouts, they end up racing these workouts and doing them a little bit too fast. And there are some negative side effects that can occur with doing speed workouts at too fast of a pace. And also there is the flip side of that where you're not running fast enough and you're not hitting um, hard enough paces to, to have the correct response that you want in your body. And we're going to talk about you know what happens if you go too slow on a workout because sometimes you see that prescribed pace in the training plan and we're just not able to hit it or sometimes we go too fast and we try to so hard to hit it that we end up racing these workouts. So we're going to chat a little bit about how to avoid doing those things and how to find the correct paces within that. Um, but also we just wanted to discuss when you're training for different events, such as the one mile or the 5k, your training is going to look a little bit different than if you're training for a marathon or a half marathon. And Jason is here with me today. He has over a decade of coaching experience from the one mile all the way up to the marathon and ultra distance races. He was a one miler in college himself running a 414 mile, but he's also now done 10 marathons and qualified for Boston several times himself. So he knows how different workouts work within your training and how you can make the move from one distance to another and vice versa. So we were going to be chatting a little bit about his background before we dive in. So Jason, can you talk to me a little bit about your background in speed work and how you coached um, athletes to the shorter distance races like the one mile and your own personal story. Yeah, um, I'm really excited about this topic because I feel like most runners, you know, we don't really reach our full potential in, in any distance really. And thinking about myself, um, I would say the one distance I came closest to reaching my potential in was the one mile, like you mentioned. Um, I felt like at the end of my senior year, I was pretty much maxing out on speed intervals. Um, you know, the only thing I think I could do differently was have more time to actually change and focus on a longer distance and then maybe go back to the one mile. Um, but in that given moment, I felt like I reached my potential. And 
Um, most of us, you know, when we think about training, we, we're not always um, fo- lasered in on just one specific event, right? We might be focused on doing a 10K or a 5K, or if we're doing a marathon, we might throw in a half in there as well. And so it's very difficult to be really specialized in your one event. Um, and the nice thing about coming from the high school and college background is that you you know, you get a good opportunity to build um, build out your calendar year and focus on um, a little bit different um, things throughout the year. And so an example would be we spent the summer doing our base building, and then we spent the fall racing distances uh, like the 8K, which is a five-mile race in cross-country. And then we got into the winter months where we got to work on speed endurance and um, really focus on that raw speed. And so, um, you know, I really enjoyed the variety over the years, and I think that's what made me kind of the – a, a better runner um, was just getting that experience um, running different distances and different styles of workouts. Yeah, it's so funny to think back to those college days and how the culture in the track atmosphere where you're doing, you know, the one mile 5K, even the 10K race. Um, I know from my experience at running in the college level, which was very short lived. I don't think that we ever did a workout that was longer than a 20 minute um, sustained tempo run. Um, What is your experience? Like if you can think back to your college days, is that the truth for you as well? Yeah, I would agree. Um, You know, those workouts are few and far between from my memory. I do remember more like progression runs or just like out and backs where we'd kind of go out at a relaxed pace and then we'd come back like five minutes quicker. But as far as like holding a, a certain pace and sustaining it for 20 minutes, yeah, that was about the max. Um, we just didn't do a lot of that. Uh, we did a lot more um, focused workouts on the track. Right. And it was so different. And I think what's funny is when you come out of that, you know, when you're in your early 20s and you are trying to make that transition yourself into maybe the half marathon or marathon, all you know and all you're programmed to do coming out of like, you know, six, eight, 12 years of track and field and cross country is, okay, I'm going to do these hard speed workouts. And I think there are some cultures out there, even in, you know, local adult running communities where it never you know, they never make the transition from what they were doing when they were 18, 19, 20 years old in college, um, competing in like the 8k, 10k to the marathon. And I do think sometimes people are doing workouts that were intended to be more for shorter distance races when they are gearing up for the marathon or half marathon. And I'm not saying that they can't be effective to some extent they are, but there are workouts that are more geared to the marathon or half marathon specifically. And we didn't really know that coming out of um, that culture. And it was really hard to kind of break away from that because it is so different. So was it typically for you when you were in college, was it two hard speed workouts per week on the track? And then you would do like a progression run on top of that. So you'd pretty much be doing like three hard efforts or what did it typically look like? Yeah, um, I would say you know, during the season when there'd be a race usually once a week. And so that limited, um, that took out one of the workouts, right? So that gives you maybe two other opportunities. So, um, during the week, and one of those was maybe a, a sharp sharpening or shorter speed session, like four by four hundreds or something like that. And then the pace might vary from week to week as well as the rest. Um, and then that, that final workout would have been usually something like, you know, an out and back and come back in and then do some, some track intervals, or maybe, maybe a little bit of like a 10 minute tempo out on your run. And then, uh, during your warm up rather. And then when you come back in, you know, you might do like a cut down ladder, um, or it might be like four by one K something like that. And so it'd be like a longer interval set, shorter interval set, 
been pretty much racing. And then if there was no race on the calendar, it would basically just be a longer run with maybe a, a tempo thrown in. Right. And when you're talking about doing, you know, 400 meter EP, it's, I mean, you're going pretty quick um, at your speed. So for most people listening, these are well under 90 second intervals. Um, and then when you're talking about doing like 1Ks, I'm sure they were close to like three minutes per K, right? Yeah, right around there, three to three ten. Yep. So I mean, that is just really short stuff, and and you, when you're going at those more maximal efforts and you're doing speed specifically, I mean, it's really anaerobic what you're focusing on because you're trying to get that extra edge for those shorter distance races. Because when you talk about a five k and you say, okay, ninety percent of it is aerobic, it's like, yeah, well, you got that with all of your easy runs that you're doing during the week and some of those progression runs, but what your coach is doing is prescribing the remaining 10% of that race is really what you're focusing on, um, on those track workouts. And so that becomes more important. And especially you in the mile, way more than 90% of that is going to be, um, or way, way less than 90% of that is going to be aerobic. So it's close. It's getting closer to that 50, 50, not quite there at the one mile, but that's why it becomes really important to do these speed workouts. Um, and I know that uh, knowing you in your early 20s, um, did you make the mistake ever of when you moved up in distance to the half marathon or when you're trying to compete in some of these road races post-collegiately um, and moving up in distance, did you ever just think, okay, this is what worked for me in college, so I'm just going to continue kind of doing the same workouts and trying to replicate that and not really knowing specifically what to do um, you know, over a decade ago when you were first getting into marathoning? Yeah, definitely. You know, I did that. And I think I'm, I'm one to admit, like, especially, um, as we're training for like a 5k or a couple 5k's throughout the summertime, you know, there's nothing really longer on the schedule, um, for the foreseeable future. So I'm like, well, let's go to the track. Let's do speed workouts. Right. Like, um, and I would, I would kind of compare times to back in the college days and, you know, I, I still wouldn't run them quite as fast. So I'd be a little bit slower, but, um, you know, it felt good doing it. It kind of brought me back to like when it was, um, you know, my college days. And the thing that was different about that too, was, um, you were running with a group of people. Usually you're doing intervals with in like a pack setting. So, um, you just, over time you get really comfortable, like dialing into the pace and just kind of like sitting there. And so when time passes and you, you're not as consistent with these workouts, it does get a little more difficult to, um, you know, hit the paces with consistency. And so that's one key difference. Um, you know, as I, as I, you know, got into my late twenties was that it'd be hard to hit, you know, let's say I was going to do five by 800. It'd be kind of hard to run them all in the same, you know, within that same two to three second range, like it, compared to when it was back in college, it was a piece of cake to do it that way. Right. And what's really interesting <clears throat> about that is just that ingrained like muscle memory. And I do think that sometimes um, like even local running culture, some of the running groups that I've gone to that are led by people who have a similar background to you, um, most run coaches I think do have a similar background to you, that is kind of what's been ingrained in them since they were in middle school, high school, college, and they never kind of break out of that. So they're leading these groups, they're going to a track and they're saying, okay, let's do like 800, let's do 400 um, when you're in the midst of marathon training, which may not be the best workout to do if you really want to get the most bang for your buck. I mean, there's nothing wrong with doing speed workouts, but I think people really be, need to be a little bit more um, intentional about like what what event they're training for and what stress response they're trying to get. So you going out to the track and trying to do these workouts that you were doing in college training for the one mile or the 8K, um, it's just really not going to give you the best benefits when it comes to that marathon. And what's really interesting 
is if you plug in your mile time, so like a 414 mile into a VDOT calculator, you see that, okay, it says that you should have the potential to run like a 220 marathon. Um, and really the, the gap that you needed a bridge during that time was focusing more on that aerobic side of things. Right. And working on those longer distance tempos, but there was no one kind of like in your life as a mentor saying like, hey, like you need to do maybe like, you know, five, 10 miles working at like right. threshold, doing more steady state runs, um, working on increasing your mileage. And so I do think for a while there, um, obviously you learn from your mistakes, right? For a while there, I was like, let's just do these workouts, go to the track. And I definitely have the same mindset as well. I mean, I love doing speed work. And I think that when you are better at speed, it's just something that you like to do. It makes you feel fast. It boosts your confidence. You go to the track, you have fun with it. But at the same time, it's like you're just wasting um, what you your potential could be if you actually really focused in on marathon-specific training. So I do think speed workout is great, especially if you're trying to build speed. Um, but for some people who already have this like huge potential in the speed, maybe like you had, or even myself, when I came out of college, um, I, I ran like a 1500 and 512, I think. So it's similar to like a five. 30 something mile, but I just couldn't even run, you know, a 10K at 7.30 pace. And it just, the gap was just so wide between what my anaerobic um, and all of that, my speed was saying that I could do. And it's just because I didn't have the aerobic base to get to that level. And so we're gonna chat a little bit about how to build that aerobic base and what sort of workouts are really going to amplify building the aerobic base because a lot of people here are like, okay, I want to get better at the marathon. Um, maybe you've been doing track workouts and you realize, okay, maybe like these aren't the right workouts or maybe they're really not helping me. Um, I kind of got to that point with my running maybe, I don't know, six years ago where I realized, hey, I'm actually doing the wrong type of workouts. You know, after doing some research, listening to things and, and going, okay, when it comes to the marathon, you can't train like you were in college. We can't train like you are for 5K, um, 10K. So chatting a little bit about um, when when did you come to that realization that maybe your training was a little off and then what were some of the adjustments that you made to try to reach um, the potential in the half marathon or marathon? Yeah, good question. You know, just reflecting back on when I started to, um, you know, train for longer races like the half and the full uh, those first few years out of college, I definitely relied on my talent. And so I was able to kind of put down some decent times but then I uh, kind of had some injury bugs set in and a couple of years pass and it took me a while to get back to that level. And I think the reason I did get back was because I did reflect on the training. I was able to start focusing more on like threshold training. And so I would do, you know, workouts like mile repeats at a slower pace than like interval mile repeats, you know, on the track. And so getting more comfortable running them at, you know, 530 pace on the road, as opposed to 515 to 510 pace on the track. That was a big, big adjustment. And um, then I was able to kind of get back to where I was. But that, yeah, I think that's one of the, the big things is that, you know, coming out of college or, you know, if you um, aren't being mentored by anyone, you don't have a coach, just knowing like what to do, when to do it, all those, you know, all those unknowns. And then if I would have had someone there to uh, kind of guide me and show me like these are the types of workouts that you need to kind of you know start doing and that's going to help you um, set you up for success down the road for half marathon marathon I think I could have been even faster 
Right, definitely. And I do think it's, def- it's always a learning experience. Um, and I know during those years where you were transitioning into the marathon, you were doing some of like the cross country and track coaching. Um, so it was just, that was all you were seeing is those type of workouts. And then when, you know, you reach your 30s, you're like, oh, actually, okay, I'm doing some research and realizing I need to kind of adjust how um, my training is if I'm going to be a strong marathoner. And like you said, when you train incorrectly or you just have like one little thing that was off, um, maybe you were just running a little bit too hard for some of these workouts or you were doing the wrong type of workouts um, to get the stress response you wanted, you ended up with injuries. And so using you as an example, I know that this has happened to hundreds, thousands of athletes over the years. Um, you know, I was a person who would man the inbox at info.runforprs.co and, and I would hear people coming to run for PR saying, hey, like, I just got out of this marathon training group. Here's what the training plan looked like. And it literally entailed two times a week going to a track and doing speed work and then doing a long run on top of that and just hearing the stories over and over again. And I do think that because a lot of coaches and run coaches for marathons, they do have the same background as you. And maybe they never made that shift or realization of, hey, actually marathon training is going to look a lot different that sometimes people do end up in these groups where the focus is like on the speed work and there's always this high emphasis on it. And when it comes to someone who's maybe training for their first marathon, I think the best thing that you can really do is is avoid doing that because that's a huge stress on your body doing speed workouts. And then if you're adding like increasing your long run from 12 miles to 20 miles over the course of weeks, plus you're doing all this crazy speed work on top of it, your body is just so much stress thrown at your body and it's not going to be able to recover and bounce back from that. And on top of that, most of these people are probably also doing the incorrect um, easy paces and, and all of those sort of things. But have you ever had someone come to you with that background where they're just doing the wrong type of workouts for a marathon training cycle? Uh, yeah, you know, quite a few times. And I've had people that shy to did the complete opposite too, right? Where they shy away completely from speed and they're not, they don't like it and they're just not comfortable doing it. And I think that's, it's just because they don't really have the experience yet or the confidence. They haven't done sort of the scaffolding of workouts that need to, that need to happen in order to get to a spot where you feel confident going out and executing a certain, you know, interval or style of workout. Um, and the other thing that I thought about too, was I think I've started to realize a couple years out of college, like, Hey, not only are you not quite as young and, um, adaptable as you were when you were 20 or 22, but, um, you were getting a lot more like just strength training, a lot more like pre like warm up drills with the team, all of those little things that can go a long way in ensuring like that your workout goes well and that you stay healthy. And I think that that became, you know, more apparent that that just wasn't happening when you were, you know working your in the working world and you're kind of just going to the track on your own and you might just do like a quick little like three to five minute you know drill session but you're not doing like that strength session afterwards and so I think that was um that became real apparent for me as as a reason why I wasn't able to not only um hit the the splits I used to hit but stay stay as healthy yeah it is really interesting that all of those little things they do add up and sometimes people think that they can neglect strength training or neglect Um, doing some of the PT exercises or going in if something flares up 
But at the end of the day, you know, these things, they, they creep back up on you and you really have to be diligent with all of those little things, especially if you're asking um, a lot from your body. If you're asking for your body to, to go a distance it's never gone or to run as fast as it ever has, you're going to have to supplement that with, you know, some strength training, making sure you're staying injury free. Um, and then of course, like nutrition is huge and, and that's a huge part of things as well. So we can't let any of those things kind of go to the back burner, regardless of what event we are training for. So I do think we, we have focused a little bit about like, what's the incorrect thing to do. But when it comes to marathon specifically, um, this is something I wanted to chat a little bit about is what, you know, what is the best thing that you can do when you're training for those longer distance races in terms of a half marathon or a marathon, um, using myself as an example, my first marathon was like 408. Um, and now I have worked on a 313 marathon and I don't really think that my speed has really increased all that much um when it comes to the raw speed in terms of like how fast can i do like 200 meter or 400 meter or even you know a half mile all out if anything i've gotten a little bit slower when it comes to that raw speed but the thing that has changed is the type of training that i do and that aerobic base and that is something that you can build well into your 40s and even 50s um you can PR in the marathon as a 40-year-old um, athlete. And I think that's something that's really cool. Um, as you age, it's something you can continue to get better at. But making the shifts and doing the correct workouts is by far one of the biggest things that will lead to the breakthrough in the longer distance races. Um, and I'll chat a little bit about things that I changed when it comes to the marathon. But I know, Jason, you have had a really successful time going to the half marathon distance. So is there anything that you want to talk about when it comes to the half marathon? Um, you know, when thinking about workouts, obviously, uh, progression and I like longer, like threshold sessions. So whether that starts with five minute increments or one, you know, one mile at a time, or even 10 minute blocks, um, just running them consistently and trying to be um, at keeping the effort level consistent throughout the entire workout, that's kind of the bread and butter. And um, even when you think about your easy runs or your long runs, because long runs become super important when you're training for distances, um, half marathon or, or longer, um, you need to be feeling pretty much um, at the end of the run, you want to feel like you uh, are, can run the next day. You don't want to be so defeated that you're going to need to take a bunch of days off and not be able to execute your next workout. And so um, just thinking about every, pretty much every run, even effort throughout the whole time, um, unless, you know, there are those few workouts where you're going to maybe a fart like style where you really will push it more at the end. Um, but yeah, that became different for me because I was so used to coming from college and, and being on the track and you had to run your last interval the fastest. That was kind of the mindset. And so just realizing that that wasn't necessarily the case. Yeah, that's really good advice. So just a lot of those workouts not dipping into that anaerobic zone. And I know that can be so tempting because we want to see certain paces maybe on our watch or on Strava. I know that's something that fueled some of my incorrect training back in the day is like I really wanted to see fast paces. Um, I just am like a, a numbers person and sometimes I would get so caught up in, well, I actually physically can run faster than this and I want to see like how fast I can go. But part of the long distance events and the marathon is learning how to hold back and that's even true on race day right um you're gonna have to hold back for a lot of the race and it is painful when people are passing you at mile you know six five four of a marathon and you know okay i have like 22 miles to to come and get this person 
and it just feels like it drags on and on. Uh, but if you train correctly and if you are pacing correctly in the marathon, those last six miles, that is where you can really make or break your race and that's where you can really go and pass some of those people that maybe didn't have that patience that you did so i think using your training for these longer distance events as practice for how you are going to approach race day because if you are always kind of letting yourself get a little bit out of control or just push it um, a little bit harder than you know you should or you end a tempo run where you're out of breath you know gasping for air hands on on your knees you know and you know hey I think I went a little bit too hard today and you don't use that um, going forward as you as a thing for you right so if you know this is something that you do maybe challenge yourself that hey I'm actually going to stay at a more controlled effort I'm going to work on my pacing and I'm not going to you know go all out on this workout because we really want to save that for race efforts and we don't want to be racing these workouts um the whole point of a threshold is to work at an effort where you're not um going anaerobic and going into the well you should really feel like you can speed up and that is actually the appropriate way to do that so jason what happens if someone actually goes faster than their threshold for these workouts um in terms of getting the intended benefit Yeah, you know, they say you should only really have one uh, hard session every like 10 to 14 days where you're really pushing, or it can take your body 10 to 14 days to bounce back and recover. So if you're going too hard, um, you know, you just potentially set yourself back. You may not feel as good on your next uh, workout or your next long run. And so the really, the big thing as, as an adult runner is start starting to assess like how you're feeling, keeping the effort you mentioned, like effort-based consistent throughout. So like whatever, if you're doing threshold, usually about 80% effort is right on, um, up to 85%, but it shouldn't feel any harder than that. Um, and it's normal to go through spots where sometimes the first one feels really hard and then maybe the second, the second and third one you get, you settle in. So it gets a little bit easier. And so just like racing, you know, we go through different patches, um, throughout the race. Some parts are easier than others. Um, but adjusting and assessing your effort based on like weather, um, elevation changes, wind, that sort of thing. Like, you know, obviously we might slow down and, and being okay with that. Um, and that was one thing that, you know, it took me a long time because I thought I always had to run like the next one exactly the same or slightly faster. And if it ha- happened to be uphill, well, then I may be exerting a lot more effort. And that, that effort was closer to like 95% than the 85. And so just something to think about is we don't want to have to dip too far into the well because it can take us a long time to recover. And then that might set back our future training. Right. And I love how you talked about going off of effort. And I think there's such an emphasis on pacing and everything like that. And if you were to go to the VDOT calculator right now, plug in a race result, it's going to spit out for you a very specific threshold pace, right? It might be like 643 per mile. And it's like, wow, that's so specific. So if you're telling me if I go a little bit faster than that, then I'm not getting the intended benefit. Or if I go a little slower than that, then, oh, I, I didn't push hard enough when really that's not the case. So you, it might fall anywhere in a, in a range, right? So if the race that you plugged into this calculator, it was really hot out and then now you get cooler temperatures, you know, you might be going a little faster and that might still be threshold. 
And if you are running downhill and it's a little faster, that might still be a threshold. Um, if you're running uphill and you're like way slower, you're probably still running a threshold. But what you are saying is learning how to run based off effort is huge. And if you're someone who can learn how to dial in and just go, okay, I, I think this is the right pace just based on experience, um, that is going to help you a lot because you're never going to be dipping anaerobic um, during a threshold session. And that's usually what causes these sessions to go south fast. Or if you ever get that feeling of, oh, I can't do another one, or oh, this is way too hard, or like you're on your hands and your knees when it's like a tempo run, um, you're probably going too fast. And so what I always like to do is start slower and then work your way into that threshold because it's better to kind of go a little bit slower at the beginning and reach threshold for a solid, you know, 20 minutes within the workout versus the other way around. If you're like starting at threshold for six minutes and then you're going anaerobic for four minutes and then, oh, can't finish the workout, um, you're not actually getting the same benefit as you would if you started slower. So that's why we always talk about negative splits. Um, but what are some ways that you kind of know based on feeling that you're working in a threshold zone? Because I know we talk about running off feel, but some people are like, I don't understand. How does it feel? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, at first, it, the first one does feel kind of hard, especially if you haven't really warmed up and done like strides at that pace um, or even slightly faster than. Um, so threshold workouts to me, they they feel hard on the first, you know, rep or interval or whatever it is, but then you kind of find your groove and you realize like, okay, I could do another one at this same pace because I was just, I just rested or whatever. I just got to slow down for, you know, 90 seconds, two minutes, whatever it was, and really recover, catch my breath. And so, you know, I always tell athletes like, you know, try to not exceed these paces, but also try to be consistent with effort. Um, you know, and if, if you're on a track, it's a lot easier to run consistent paces than it is if you're out on the road. Cause you know, you have all the different factors. So your paces might be a little bit off, but that doesn't mean your effort level needs to be off. <clears throat> yeah. I love how you talked about at the beginning, it might feel a little harder. So sometimes it's like, you look down at your watch, you're like, what, this feels way harder than, you know, the pace I'm running. Um, and sometimes it can be hard to kind of get the legs to start turning over. But then once you kind of get in the groove, maybe you're you know, four or five, six minutes into this workout, you start to realize, okay, okay, this pace feels, feels okay. And that's when sometimes athletes can start to get a little carried away as like in that midsection of the workout. Cause it's like, okay, I, I, I did this first one a little bit slower than I wanted. And so then they start playing these games like, okay, I'm going to do the next one a little faster. And it's like, no, just go off that effort and don't try to like make up for lost time. Um, don't try to like race the last interval unless you know your coach says or the workout calls for that. I've seen people do that before, but these are all just kind of little errors that could cause you to maybe, you know, not get the benefit that you're you're hoping to get. It's better to be really consistent with that threshold effort throughout the entire workout than it is to, um, you know, vary the pace a lot or to, to blow up at the end, that, that sort of thing. Um, so a lot of threshold workouts when it comes to the marathon training, as you can tell, that's like a huge focus, um, more of these steady state runs and some marathon pace work. So Jason talked to me a little bit about like what a steady state run is, um, or like these progression runs where you're not quite running at like a threshold pace, but you're still running at a faster than easy pace and kind of what these workouts help our runners do. Yeah. Steady state runs are great. Um, 
you know, there's kind of a wide definition depending who you talk to and what coach you ask about what steady state actually is. But typically it's that pace that the fast end of steady state is about your marathon pace and then slightly slower than. Um, so obviously we're looking at faster than easy pace by at least 30 to 45 seconds. Um, and so, you know, like thinking about me, for example, my steady state was probably always between like 630 and 615 pace. So it's kind of like a, a pretty wide window. Um, and that gave me an opportunity to assess based on how you're feeling that day, but also the terrain you're running on and the weather. Um, and sometimes if it's hot and humid, you might not even come close to the 630, the slower end. It really just depends. Um, but again, thinking about keeping your effort at about a 7, 7.5 out of 10 um, throughout the duration of that that tempo. And, and you're just kind of getting used to um, carrying a faster pace, um, you know, for a longer distance as opposed to just running easy. And so these might start out at being like 10 minutes at a time. They might be a mile or two at a time for a new runner. And then they may work all the way up to like, um, you know, five, six miles or up to 45 minutes to an hour duration. Yeah, that's a really good summary of the whole steady state marathon pace type run. And again, that's something that is good to do more based off of effort. And whenever I go out on these runs, I always say to myself, okay, like this effort should feel like you're in the middle of a marathon, like you're at mile 13 of a marathon, um, that sort of pacing. And maybe for someone who hasn't done a marathon, just kind of visualize maybe how you would want to feel or what sort of pace you can imagine that you would run. You can get these paces also on the VDOT calculator. It's probably going to be close to your marathon pace, um, maybe a little slower, uh, just depending on how you feel that day. But like you said, um, it's going to vary from athlete to athlete how long you do these. And so we are always saying, you know, 80% of your total weekly mileage should be at an easy pace. And then the rest of that, so the 20% can be at these harder efforts. And I still count like these steady state marathon pace workouts as part of that harder effort training. And so, you know, if you're running 50 miles a week, which is a lot for um, someone who's training for a marathon, uh, that you're only going to be using 10 of those weekly miles towards a specific workout. And what that might look like is a six mile steady state mixed within, you know, like a 10 mile run. So it might be like a two mile warm up, six mile steady state, two mile cool down. And then you have four miles left. Another workout might be um, something like six by 1K at threshold with 90 seconds rest in between. Um, and so whenever you're doing a threshold workout, one of my rules of thumb is I like to prescribe at least a total of 20 minutes in duration. Um, that's kind of what they say to get the benefit of that. And when you're talking about the rest periods for a threshold workout, you're going to want them shorter, right? Um, these aren't like all out efforts. So you really want it to be short. And honestly, you don't even really need the rest periods. It's more like mental, uh, but anywhere between like 16 and 90 seconds is, is pretty good. Anytime you're taking longer rest periods than that part of me starts to wonder are we doing more of like an interval workout is this more of like a speed workout are we really truly staying true to threshold because if you are really going your threshold pace you shouldn't really need more than 60 to 90 seconds rest um but that's just my uh philosophy on that what about you jason yeah i agree um spot on with what you said and then just thinking of some other variations i guess to steady state running um you know just to mix things up for athletes um, or more advanced level athletes who have been you know doing cycle after cycle sometimes um you know it's nice to to do some alternating work in there so maybe you're teaching you know you're you're working on recovering at your steady state pace and then you're running maybe um either surge or like half marathon pace or you know or your threshold pace rather for 
um, a set duration. Um, so you're kind of alternating back and forth and that can just kind of help break up the, the run, but mentally, um, require you to really focus and dial into those paces and just stay like really in the zone. Because I know with the marathon, especially, um, it can become really easy to just kind of uh, like zone out and forget about what you're doing. And so really important to add in kind of the variety at times too, so that you're forced to think about your pace and your, um, effort level. Yes, definitely. And I know some of these workouts maybe sound a little bit, you know, boring, um, but you can really add variety in any way that you want, right? So you can do like mile repeats, you can do like two mile repeats, one and a half mile repeats. You can even break it down by minutes because some people, they don't, they don't want to do like the same exact workout every time. So you could even do like eight minute repeats or, you know, 10 minute repeats, whatever it is that you need to kind of mentally break it up. Uh, that can be huge. And like you said, with the steady state stuff, you can vary that a lot. Um, doing progression runs, doing um, things where you're doing like a little bit of a pickup, maybe like 60 seconds, just in case like in a race you go anaerobic because you're going up a hill and you're not focusing or whatever. So that might be a good way to do that. So you might go at steady state for six miles and at the beginning of every mile, you do a surge for 30 to 60 seconds um, and then just train your body to get right back into that marathon pace um, and kind of recover from that little anaerobic surge that you did. Um, there's so many ways to kind of spice things up within the marathon training, but those are some of like the bread and butter um, marathon training workouts. And so it's a lot of steady state. It's a lot of threshold, a lot of building that aerobic base, um, building that mileage if possible. And if you're someone who's maybe more injury prone, then thinking about adding in more time cross training, because really that aerobic engine is what's going to get you um, the results when it comes to the marathon and those really long distance events. So the more mileage that you can run, typically the better, as long as you can stay injury-free, um, doing long runs and making sure those are a part of your weekly routine as well um, is super important. But then transitioning over to kind of the opposite end of the spectrum, I know we chatted a lot about marathon-specific training, and now is kind of the fun part where we switch to you know speed-specific training. So if you are someone who maybe has done the marathon or maybe you're, you have no interest in training for the marathon right now, um, you want to focus on something like the 5K, the 10K, the one mile. You want to get this speed. You want to bring it out. Um, or maybe it's just something you've been interested in, like you're speed curious, right? You want to know kind of what, what does it look like and how should I train? Like maybe you've done all of the workouts that we've just explained where all you ever do is tempos and steady states and that's your comfort zone um, and it's comfortable for you and you've never done a track workout. Um, so one way we could kick this off is just talking about like where should someone start if they're looking to get really into this speed? How should someone start to unlock some of these speed workouts? What's a good starter workout for someone? Yeah, I guess, well, the answer might vary depending on if you're trying to run your fastest one mile or if you're just shifting down to like the 5K. But I would say if you're kind of new to the concept of faster running, um, you know, just like a longer fartlek, um, basically it's a stride with just a little bit longer, trying to hold the pace, um, 45 seconds, a minute, uh, 75 seconds, up to 90 seconds, that sort of thing. So fartleks are good, but also, um, you know, hill sprints and, um, you, you know, getting them on the track, getting them familiar with, um, focusing on pacing. So maybe 200 meter repeats, 400s, that sort of thing. And it doesn't need to be a, such a large dose. The first few workouts, it can just be like, um, four by whatever you're going to prescribe just to get them, you know, used to running fast, trying to get them consistent. Cause you know that, um, we're obviously going to, 
um, take a little bit longer for recovery to catch our breath in between. And so we're going to purposely prescribe longer rest in between these. Yeah. I love how you talked about the rest because when we were talking about marathon training and doing these threshold workouts, we really talked about keeping the rest short, doing 60 to, second, 60 to 90 second rest intervals, maybe two minutes. Uh, but when we're talking about this speed stuff, it's a little bit of a different ball game, right? You might be doing 200 meter repeats in you know, 45 seconds or something like that, but your rest in between is looking like 90 seconds. So you're almost like doubling the time that you are running for, you're resting for, um, because it is a little bit different and it's more of that anaerobic. So we really wanna make sure that we're adjusting our rest periods appropriately and do not expect that you're going to be fully recovered after 60 seconds um, of doing like, you know, an 800 um, in an, at an anaerobic pace um, and just kind of knowing that. And I do think sometimes people will come and shift from marathon training um, and maybe they'll be doing Yazos 800s, which in my opinion is a variation of a tempo run. Um, it's not, or maybe it's more, you know, it's more of like a 10K pace usually, right? It's a strength workout, but you do have more of a minimal rest there. And if you tell the same person who just did Yazos 800s who got, you know, 90 seconds rest in between and, and they, their breathing was totally fine the whole time that, hey, we're going to do this 800-meter workout, like 4 by 800, um, and we're doing like three minutes rest in between, they might go – oh, okay, and expect that they're going to feel really good because they get even longer rest. But if you're going at a faster pace, um, it's going to take you longer to recover in between those intervals. And and don't be surprised if you are really out of breath or you feel like your breathing is super heavy. Um, that's one of the things that I always notice when I'm doing speed workout is the adjustment from running at like 5K, 10K pace. If you start running faster than that, um, your body will start to give you come some signals like, hey, like breathing is getting hard here. Um, and it can be a little alarming maybe to people who aren't used to really pushing it. So I think like you said, starting with something shorter, maybe doing 200 meters, um, doing strides even, just getting used to what that's gonna feel like being in that oxygen debt um, before you move into something where you're doing like 800 meters at your anaerobic pace because that's going to be a little bit more of a shock to the body um so yeah definitely how do you think someone should start to transition or set goals when it comes to the one mile or 5k races like how does someone know what what paces they're capable of or what is a good goal to set when it comes to the one mile because it is so vastly different from the marathon yeah it's a good question if you're not doing like regular races or time trials at that same distance um, I would just use the workouts as um, sort of comparing, like maybe doing the same workout two weeks later, um, comparing not only your, your your paces for the workout, but maybe how you felt and looking at the consistency throughout. And so that was kind of always something that we did in college naturally as the season progressed. Obviously, you had your races to look at too, but um, you wanted your workouts to start to you know, just feel faster and get a little bit quicker off shorter rest or, you know, whatever. And so that, that was one thing. And then as you move up, like you said, then you're going to be able to move up in interval distance and hold a faster pace for longer. So maybe you start with twos and fours and then you're able to move up to six and eights and that sort of thing. I think those would be good, good, um, areas to start. Yes, definitely. And what I typically find of athletes is that they have more speed maybe than they're giving themselves credit for. And once you kind of get past that discomfort of, okay, this feels a little bit different. Um, it's a little bit painful. That oxygen debt is, is a little different experience than what I'm used to. Um, once you kind of adjust and, and you are able to kind of 
dig deep and understand, okay, this is how we run fast, you can start to increase um, the interval duration, maybe move up to the fours or the twos, 800s, um, that sort of thing. And it can be a fun experience for people. And I definitely think looking at, you know, what are some of the paces that you're running for some of these workouts and then saying, yeah, like, I mean, if you can do a couple 400 meters at a certain pace, I mean, do you agree that someone could potentially run that pace for a one mile or how, how does one set these goals? Uh, I mean, yeah, that was kind of the goal for us back. Um, when we would do 400s, you would do them at mile pace and you'd get a, a decent amount of rest. And, um, you know, I think through racing experience, mm-hmm. you, you need a lot of opportunities before you can go out and execute that though. Like it's not just going to happen on your first or second try. It might, it might take a few, um, attempts. And so, I, obviously, the more experience you get, the I think the better it's going to be likely for you. Right. Yeah. No. I mean, I think that's a good potential for sure. Like, if you look at okay, I'm doing a couple 400 meters, like maybe six, eight of them. Um, what pace are you oh, kind of yeah, consistently coming through? at and, and saying yeah I think that could be your potential in the one mile but like you said obviously it's going to take a lot of racing experience because I know just historically when I come through and do 400 meter repeats when I'm training for like a 5k or something the thought of doing that in, in a one mile is like flabbergasting right like yeah. you have to really and and that's the thing about the one mile races there's not a lot of road races where you can go with right. competition to really see what can I do in the one mile and I know we have one mile programs all the time where We'll do some speed workouts, and it's like, yeah, people go out on their own and, and race a mile. But I don't know. Do you do you think that it's harder when it's a longer distance event to do it by yourself, or do you think it's harder when it's like a one mile to compete by yourself? Gosh, that's a great question. I think it really depends on so many factors, like your experience level uh, with competing against yourself versus other people, um, your strengths as far as like running short distance versus longer, um, your confidence plays a role. I, I just think so many factors would, would um, you know, play the role. For me, like right now, if I were to run the mile by myself versus in a race, I think I could do okay. I think I would be able to hold the longer or the, the mile. I would, I would be able to um, kind of get closer to the, the gap between the two times would be, would be a lot closer in terms of like percentages for the mile than it would be for the longer stuff. But not everyone's the same way. Like for me, if I were to do the TC one mile or something, I could probably run, I don't know, 440. I think I'd go out on the road and run 444 by myself, that sort of thing. But for a half marathon or even like a 10K, I think if I was in a real race with people, I could probably carry a pace that's 10 to 15 seconds per mile faster if I'm running, you know, in the race as opposed to doing it by myself. So yeah, when you said that 10K, I'm like, there's just no way that I could run yeah. a 10K fast by myself. It's it's just hard to really know. I just think doing a one mile alone, it just sounds brutal. But you know, I think if you if you're someone who really wants to explore that, I would maybe you know say to yourself, hey, especially if you're young, right? Like if you're under 35 or 40 even, and you've never focused on the mile before, like you weren't a college athlete, um, kind of like my background. I would definitely give yourself a chance to really focus on that speed because I do think that it lays this foundation and and it can really bring some confidence. And I know some of my athletes talking almost a year ago now they you they just didn't think they had any speed and I'm like no I think you'd be surprised right there in their mid late 20s and and they got their mile time down from like it was they said their fastest mile before was like in the 640s and then they're running like 540s after um, a little bit of training right and that's just a little bit of training and then they went back to doing their marathon half marathon stuff and they set huge breakthroughs there 
But it just goes to show, like, hey, if these people... And I had some athletes who were in, like, their 40s, actually, who broke six for the first time, which is insane. But what that just goes to show is that you can still really reach some really fast speeds as a master's athlete, Mm -hmm. um, and you can break through that big barrier that a lot of people want to break through, which is, like, sub six or sub seven, whatever, um, even as you age. And I think just not setting those limits in your mind, because obviously it's like yeah your physical potential when you were in your 20s is better than it is when you're in your 40s but what you don't know is like what your potential would have been in your 20s right right? so if you've never done it before it's like how would you know right like maybe this person when they were in their 20s could have been like a sub five minute miler as a female but they just never were involved in track and cross country so they just don't know and so it's like they could keep focusing on it and I'm sure get down in even faster times because we only really did it for maybe two months and that was the result so it's like geez if they really wanted to focus on it again and and see how fast they can get um i know that it would be just even faster and i think that just watching them over the last year after they had these breakthroughs um the one went on to qualify for boston set like a 30 minute marathon pr i mean it does translate over in terms of once you hit that next level with your speed it's just such a confidence booster and physiologically i mean once you can reach those top end speed you have a better running economy and you can really um, start to do things in the longer distances that maybe were not physically possible for you so her threshold pace has increased and her marathon pace increased so all of her paces just got faster as a result of her getting that top end speed um, together so it'll be interesting to kind of see how how people continue to improve as we make sure they make the shift to the speed works um, because I do think sometimes people get stuck on these marathon hamster wheel wheels where it's like oh the, you know spring marathon fall marathon spring marathon fall marathon and then they they have like the same results um, you know race after race and I know I've been there I know a lot of the athletes that have come to run for PRs have been there so many athletes I can think of in my head right now came to me you know five years ago and they're like I just can't break through this like 350 or 340 or 430 whatever marathon time it was and all we had to really do was segment out and say okay we're going to focus on a marathon one marathon a year and then the other six months of the year we're going to focus more on like speed 5k 10k uh, maybe even a half marathon but having that variation where they were able to focus on their speed they got to reach these new levels and physiologically just totally broke through whatever plateau it was and then when they got to the marathon again it's like they were busting out 10 20 30 minute prs and the cycle just continues and so some of these people that came as four plus hour marathoners um some of them are in like the three the three teens 320s now um as as females in their you know 30s 40s um, which is really cool to think that you can become you know your fastest self as as you get older um, and being able to break through limits that maybe you thought were impossible you know if you're someone who's been struggling for five plus years running the same times doing the same workouts maybe it's time to kind of break through and and break out of that rut try something new to to reach that next level um have you ever been there personally jason or some of your athletes where they just felt like they reached this peak and then all it really took was a stimulus change to really see okay actually that was just like a valley and i'm about to reach my next peak uh, yeah, you know, I've seen it all from athletes I've coached, even like friends just taking time off or, you know, focusing on like triathlon or getting into biking or, you know, 
moving up in distance and then coming back down or, or vice versa. And so I think it's a really individualized approach, but, um, like you said, putting yourself in challenging yourself in a new way, um, trying something, you know, working on your weakness. Um, and then when we go back to, uh, our strength, hopefully it's, we're going to be even faster. Like you were talking about the person whose threshold paces increase or marathon paces increase all of that. Um, and I, I get really excited, um, for like middle-aged adults who, uh, haven't really ran, you know, reached their potential in the shorter races. Cause I feel like there's a lot to be gained from that mm-hmm. just in the training. Um, just like mental toughness and just kind of going through putting themselves out there in these, these tough conditions with, with intervals and that sort of thing. And, and then I think it makes it a little bit easier to, you know, train for a marathon when you come off of that. So, um, yeah, I think each, each athlete's different, obviously, but, um, the thing we got to remember is we're all doing this basically on our own. Um, not most of us don't have a training group. Um, and that, that's one big difference. You know, we just watched, uh, the, uh, got through the trials and the Olympics and all that. And those athletes, they're training with a group constantly. And so, and they're racing constantly. And that's something that we don't always get that opportunity. And so it is hard, but, um, just staying committed, I think, and being consistent over time. Yeah, it definitely is hard to be a recreational athlete on your own. And I do know that there are groups available to some athletes and some of our athletes, um, run with groups and whatnot but just one thing I wanted to add as you're talking about these group runs is that sometimes when you join these groups um, it can be a little bit competitive and they can have more of like this racy atmosphere where people are maybe not training the smartest and so sometimes you get caught in this vicious cycle of okay going to group run because I need motivation and then at this so-called easy group run you end up running in the gray zone or marathon pace for you know just an eight mile easy run and then your legs are toast for your workout Um, or another thing that can happen is you are going to these marathon training groups or just a group run in general they're going to the track they're going to do a track workout Um, Some people say, hey, I'm going to run at this pace or these are my times and we'd be good to run together. And then it ends up being basically like your racing intervals. Mm -hmm. And that can be fun, like if that's what you're into. But if you're trying to like really reach your potential and you're getting frustrated as to why am I not getting faster? Well, let's evaluate kind of like what is going on with your training. And and maybe you're someone who's who goes to some of these groups and you know that, oh, you know, we run a little bit too fast or, you know, well, it's only 30 seconds per mile faster than I should. Well, all of those things add up. And it's just like over time, you know, if you do that for five years, you're just not reaching the potential that you could potentially be if you just kind of slowed it down. Um, and that's just my experience with the specific group that I used to um, run with. It's just there was more of like this competitive atmosphere where people were running a little bit too fast. And of course, I wanted to run with them, right? Like we wanted to chat and, you know, the pace that supposedly felt quote unquote easy was Um, definitely not easy and that um, mentality kind of trickled into even the runs that I was doing by myself and it kind of led into this uh, downward spiral of my running and I was went from running like a 314 marathon to a 328 and I was like why am I you know why do I keep running like 10 minutes plus slower than my my marathon PR I don't get it I'm running all of my training runs faster and it's like well just because you're running your training runs faster doesn't mean you're in better shape and so I think I learned that the hard way so I think it's just really important to remember that you have to train like an individual and you have to really be cognizant of the paces that you're going the workouts that you're doing 
and just know that it all does add up and so if you're asking yourself at the end of like a year um like why am i slower why am i not hitting my paces well look back to see are you really in better shape or are you just kind of doing whatever workouts the group is doing that sort of thing um so jason what is your experience with uh group running and and whatnot yeah i mean back in college when you're working with people or similar ability level there was definitely a lot of competitiveness Mm -hmm. um, through intervals and stuff and I always found it difficult to match the pace that some of my teammates could run during the workout but for some reason at the race I was always ahead of them uh, the majority of them so it just it just kind of depended and then you know as I got older I just didn't really have that level that high level group um, to run with so I was kind of pretty much on my own unless I um, teamed up with a buddy or something on the weekend we get a long run in but it was never uh, an opportunity to go out and like hammer a workout really um, but yeah that's definitely a good a good point and um, you know also if you're if you're someone that is trying to push yourself to your max on that occasion like you're doing your test out for your one mile or something um, and you know thinking about what can you do to get a competitive advantage uh, besides wearing fast shoes uh, find someone who is faster than you to help pace you or have your spouse or someone kind of jump in maybe like at towards the end or bike next to you or something like that so that you are motivated because I know it can be difficult to be out there and doing it on your own. Right, definitely using the resources to your advantage. So if you are aware like, hey, this group that I usually run with, they always go marathon pace for long runs. Well, hey, if you have uh, a long run where you got to do some marathon pace miles, like maybe you jump in for, you know, however many marathon pace miles you need in your long run, right? So there's ways that you can make it work. And I have friends that like to go on runs and we're about the same pace, but they run way faster on easy days than I do. So it's like, I just kind of do that sparingly on days where I kind of know, okay, don't have a workout the next day, or, you know, this is a few days out from, from a workout, so I'll be fine. Or, during my off season um i try not to do too many of them just because history has shown me that like they don't slow down for me and i won't you know slow down because i physically can run you know marathon pace from an easy day but the fact of the matter is um being responsible for your running right so if you have goals just kind of holding yourself accountable and and don't get too carried away um there's definitely a time and place for running with people and if you find someone that is exactly your pace and and is training exactly the same way as you that's awesome i would definitely like continue doing that but if you have some people maybe who are pushing a little bit too hard when you don't want to be doing that um maybe kind of scheduling that so that it's it doesn't get in the way of um some of your your goals or the, the runs that you really need to prioritize for the week. So hopefully this was helpful in terms of what type of workouts you should be doing based on the events you're training for. I know we kind of broke it down, um, the things you should do if you want to get faster in the marathon, obviously building that aerobic base, doing thresholds, doing steady state, marathon pace effort, building that mileage and those long runs. So it's a lot of that aerobic focus. And then if you're working um, more towards the speed stuff, so anything one mile to you know 10K race, we're talking more intervals. So we're gonna do maybe one to two interval workouts per week. We're not gonna have as long of a long run. Um, we're gonna focus more on speed and strength to kind of bring out that anaerobic strength and power to get faster and then that kind of trickles down into any other event that you want to do later you'll just set a foundation and be that much faster for that and we do recommend kind of switching from marathon training to more of a speed work training um, every every year just so you're kind of getting that variety and you're not able to be on that marathon hamster wheel and and not see improvements so you really do have to change stimuli if you want to see a change 
in your training and in your results. Um, and if this is something that you're just, I really want to try some of these workouts or I really want to know how this um, relates to me specifically, right? We'd love to chat with you and learn more about your background and help you kind of come up with workouts that are going to help you reach your goals. We love to learn about runners' backgrounds and help you solve this puzzle, this um, equation to get you to be the fastest that, that you can be and really reach your potential in the sport because, you know, time is limited and we only get so many running workouts and so many years that we can um, do this and really amplify our speed and, you know, 10 years goes by in a flash when it comes to running. So really um, amplifying what you can do um, is important. So if you're ever interested in filling out our form at www.runforprs.co, we would love to get you set up with a free seven-day trial and get you set up working with a coach. So again, that is www.runforprs.com and we can get started on a free seven-day trial right away, learning more about your background and helping you reach your goals.